Manna or Meatloaf, Episode 17. Hey you, it's me. Hello, hello. Several years ago, I was taking an English and writing class, and one of our assignments was to write a letter to ourselves from a year in the future, and it had to be about something that was troubling us at that current time. The title of my paper was, Hey You, It's Me, (laughs) and I just found it the other day. Oh my gosh, it made me cry. Now there's a challenge for you. It was so insightful, it may be helpful to you, but we're going to talk about that later. So as you know, this episode follows the previous one entitled Word, where we contemplated the power of the words we speak to others, to and about our God, to express ourselves, to record for our posterity, and we just touched on a few teasers about how we speak to ourselves. If you heard that episode, I challenged you to listen carefully to the words you use in relation to yourselves, right? And catch the conversations going on in your heads. So, what did you find out about how you talked to yourself this past week? You know that one of the best indicators of how you're doing at your own constructive self-talk is where you are and how you are in your life. What I mean by that is, are you reaching your goals? Do you have a positive, healthy self-image? Are you productive with your time and your resources? Do you feel motivated and inspired or tired and defeated? Are you living the life you want to live with the people you want in it? How do you feel physically? Are you taking care of yourselves? How is your relationship with your Father in Heaven and your Savior, Jesus Christ? Do any of these things have anything to do with how you talk to yourself? Like I said last week, you better believe it. The power of our words create the fullness of our reality. In the February 1987 ensign, Brother James T. Duke, who was a professor at BYU, said, quote, I often discussed with my sociology students the work of George Herbert Mead, a great analyst of human behavior. George Mead was especially interested in the human mind and the way it operates. According to Mead, thinking is essentially a conversation we hold with ourselves. End quote. I love how he clarifies that thinking is a conversation we hold with ourselves, and we do it a heck of a lot more than we think we do. In fact, some research indicates that we are constantly talking to ourselves in one way or another. And if that's the case, I'll say it again. We need to very carefully guard what we say or think to ourselves. Elder Holland said the same thing another way. He said, Quote, I suppose it goes without saying that negative speaking so often flows from negative thinking, including negative thinking about ourselves. We see our own faults. We speak, or at least think, critically of ourselves. And before long, that is how we see everyone and everything. End quote. And then we have what the scriptures tell us. In James 3.10, we read, quote, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. End quote. I hear that scripture say that whatever we say, or in this case, say in our heads, or say about ourselves, will either bless or curse us. We get to decide. Don't you love that? And finally, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, we read, quote, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. End quote. Powerful. I could almost say amen right here, couldn't I? So let's talk about the words or thoughts we want to intentionally plant in our minds and then through extension into our bodies. 
Do we want blessings, things that'll build, empower, and create, or cursings, things that will break, frustrate, or destroy? That's definitely something to think about. My cute nephew, Carson, is staying with us for a little while. He and his family live in Alaska, and just recently they bought a piece of land right on the Kenai River. It looks absolutely gorgeous. I can't wait to go. Anyway, it sounds like they've been just clearing the debris and trees and working hard as a family to improve this cabin property of theirs. So Carson was telling us that he was in charge of getting rid of a bunch of birch saplings. Now, let me preface this by saying Carson is a big boy. (laughs) He's been involved in bodybuilding for years. So when he told us that he could deadlift 500 pounds easily, but was struggling to pull out a two-foot birch sapling, we didn't believe him. He told us that when he was finally able to wrench one free after literally putting every ounce of energy he had into it, there was like a 10-foot string of roots. What he said made me think of the lies we sometimes tell ourselves. And those lies that get planted in our minds just seem to take root and sometimes feel impossible to pull out and get rid of, don't they? Like I've said before, the more energy you give something, the bigger it becomes. And unfortunately, the things we sometimes tell ourselves can become the things we believe the very most. Yikes! Isn't that scary? Are you thinking about your week in review and all that listening you did to the conversations you had with you? A few weeks ago in our Come Follow Me Book of Mormon studies, we were encouraged in Alma chapter 34 verse 4 to plant the words in our hearts that ye may try the experiment of its goodness. This we know was in reference to the word of God, but isn't it cool that we can do the exact same thing with our thoughts? When we carefully listen to what we're telling ourselves, we can see which words or thoughts are planted in our hearts and minds, and then we can experiment and ask ourselves, do they bring about blessings? or cursings like the ones we learned of in James. I'm a huge fan of audiobooks when we're traveling, and one of the books that was recommended for me on Audible was called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Don't you love the title? It's written by Shad Helmstetter, PhD, who I found out it just happens to be the best-selling author of more than 20 books in the field of personal growth, and he's also a pioneer in the field of self-talk. He is the first behavioral researcher to focus on the role of self-talk as a primary programming source that directs our life path. One of the first things he attributed to success is believing in God. (laughs) So I knew it'd be a good read, and I thought some of his practical research was noteworthy here. Mr. Helmstetter argues that about 75% of all of our programming is counterproductive and can lead us to a life of unfulfilled potential unless otherwise corrected. It was so fascinating for me to see how this happens, and it makes sense. He says that for a large portion of us, we've been told no more than any other word from the time we're born till 18 years of age, even in positive loving homes, and how that can lead to internal dialogue based around fear and scarcity instead of abundance and possibility. Helmstetter suggests ways we can take control and reprogram ourselves for success through these five different methods of self-talk. The first was silent self-talk. That's the inner dialogue that takes place in our subconscious minds, the chatter that goes on without us even noticing. It's the times you have to talk yourself away from the fridge or negotiate with yourself, like when we say, just one more episode on Netflix. That's silent self-talk. 
Another one is self-speak. He says, that's anything you say out loud, either to yourself or about yourself. He said, quote, whatever we say out loud about ourselves sends messages to our subconscious about the image we are portraying to the world, and the mind will seek to make that a reality. It has no other option. If you say to others, I'm so clumsy, your mind registers clumsy and forms that as part of your internalized self-image, and you will display more clumsy-like behaviors. End quote. Isn't that interesting? Another one is self-conversation. He says that self-conversation is pretty much what it says. It's having a conversation with yourself. And before you disregard it because it sounds silly, this is a very powerful method because you are drawing on more of your senses to engage your subconscious mind. So as a result, more of you gets involved. Therefore, the message is delivered more easily to your subconscious with less resistance. Self-write is another one. Self-writing is a type of self-talk that you write out word for word. Makes sense, right? Journaling is another way to say it. And it's also referred to as affirmations or new instructions you want to deliver to your subconscious mind. The last was tape talk, and I kind of like this one. You'll see why. The idea behind tape talk is to record yourself saying your affirmations and listening back to them. Why your own voice? Because your subconscious brain recognizes your own voice. Therefore, there's less resistance to penetrate to get the messages delivered. This detail makes listening to self-recorded affirmations one of the most powerful ways to reprogram your subconscious mind. It's hard. I know a lot of times negative self-talk is just so automatic that unless we make an intentional effort, we don't even notice. It's kind of like breathing, right? But just think of the incredible difference it makes to force a deep cleansing breath when you're super anxious. The same good can come from healing and helpful thoughts and powerful words. I just watched the Disney movie Moana with my grandbabies again the other day, and it made me think. So Maui, the demigod, he had tattoos all over his body representing the victories he'd won. If we all had the words we said or believed about ourselves on our skin, would we still be beautiful? Would we want to show them to the world and be proud of them like he was? Hmm... One of the big ways we demean or use loathing words or thoughts about ourselves is in relation to our bodies. And this is a biggie for the women out there. I just had one thought as I was reading last week's scriptures in Alma 41. We're taught about the law of restoration. That, quote, the meaning of the word restoration is to bring back again evil for evil or carnal for carnal or devilish for devilish, good for that which is good, righteous for that which is righteous, just for that which is just, merciful for that which is merciful, end quote. So does that mean we'll take with us into the next world the characteristics and traits that we've developed here? That unless we can overcome our weaknesses and shortcomings that we die with, we will still have them on the other side. Oh, I don't like the sound of that at all. But that's what I hear from verse 13. So if we don't speak positively and lovingly about our bodies now, can you imagine being in heaven with self-loathing thoughts or thoughts that you're not enough? Now, of course, I'm interpreting that scripture, and that's just thoughts by Kristen. But imagine giving someone you love a gift, right? One that was well thought out and planned out on purpose. You put a lot into this gift. Imagine your joy to give it to that person To have them just say, well, that's a crappy gift. I hate this gift. Why can't it be a different, better gift? Maybe a skinnier, more beautiful gift, like so-and-so's gift? Oh, yikes. 
Our Father in heaven has given us the great gift of our bodies. What do we vicariously tell him about the gift he's given us when we speak to ourselves about that great gift? If we give any part of our internal dialogue to words or thoughts like that, we seriously need to rethink how we're talking and thinking about ourselves. I believe that honoring ourselves, our divine natures, and speaking gratitude is a surefire way to grow closer to our Savior. I also believe that as we speak truth, light, and love, we become more like Him. Now, I know that there are countless books out there that can teach us and resources that can help us in our quest to improve the quality of conversations we have with ourselves, but I also have to remind myself that some of the very best advice came from Elder Boyd K. Packer when he said, quote, true doctrine understood changes attitudes and behavior. This study of the doctrines of the gospel will improve behavior quicker than a study of behavior will improve behavior, end quote. I love that. Let's remember that. I was asking our oldest daughter, B what she thought of when I told her what my podcast content was this week, because she is incredible at this skill set, and she was the perfect example of speaking power to yourself. She seems to have an endless supply of motivating thoughts that drive her to her goals and beyond. So we were sitting there at lunch, and I asked her kind of what came to mind when I asked about the words we tell ourselves, and her voice instantly became elevated. She leaned forward, totally engaged. You could see the passion and belief she shared. She said, quote, literally, you can do anything. You are the only person in this entire world that can get you to your dreams. There's no single person that can do that for you or get you to reach your true potential. You just have to decide that you can do it no matter what's in front of you. Then you will do it no matter what. End quote. (laughs) Oh my goodness, she is a force to be reckoned with. As I listened to her, I felt like I was hearing her repeat what she tells herself all the time. And her life is evidence of that. She went on to say, quote, being out of your comfort zone is where the magic happens. You have to be in uncomfortable positions, like the analogy of running. Once you push yourself through those barriers, then the sky's the limit. People are so often crippled by fear instead of using it as a catalyst to push them forward. They need to use it as a fuel source they can use to drive themselves, end quote. Now, for any of you that know her, you can totally hear her voice in this and know that these are some of the very things she tells herself that propel her into her and her family's future. The future she's created as a result of not allowing limiting beliefs to harbor in her head. Yep, you better believe it. I wrote it all down (laughs) because you know I'll be using it. She is such a wonderful example to me and those around her of watching her thoughts become things powerful. Okay, now I want to share a personal story with you. And sadly, I just don't have the stellar history that our sweet daughter has. I had an opportunity to experience things in my very young life that most people never get to experience. It involved lots of travel in big cities and a lot of very worldly things. Oh gosh, I look back at that little girl and see a young, healthy tomboy who had an idyllic childhood and then at the age of 15 was part of a world where looks mattered more than anything. Now, I was a very active kid. I was tall, lean, and gangly, but I was still told then that I needed to lose 10 pounds. Because of the importance placed on that and its repeated message, there was a seed planted. A lie, I told myself, because of what I thought it meant that when I was overweight, I wasn't okay. 
That was one of the roots in my mind and heart that have been weeded out over and over again throughout my life as I've had babies and gained weight just to lose it and gain it all back again. I would grab that lie like cute Carson and pull with all my might. I'd cry and dig in and give it all I had just to find a 10-foot root attached to it. I'd feel free finally of it and live decades believing it was gone, only to feel a tiny little sprout trying to bud and find solid ground. Again, speaking powerful counteractive words that remind me I'm more than my physical body and that defy that lie from taking hold again might just be something I have to combat throughout my lifetime. But I know that part of the secret depends on the words I'm giving ear to and repeating in my head. So now that you know one of my big struggles... You'll understand why when I was asked to write a letter to myself from the future me a year later, it started out, hey you, it's me. (laughs) I won't read it all, but I'd like to share the last few paragraphs. Again, these are words written to me from my future self, the one that hypothetically has overcome whatever was troubling me a year ago. It was my weight. I wrote, Follow your gut, girl, and listen to yourself, not the cynical, self-defeating version of yourself, but the one that knows where to go to find answers, the you that believes we were given weakness that we might turn to our Savior and have Him make them strengths. Listen to the gentle whispers that draw you to your scriptures and encouraging books that are Christ-centered that offer spiritual and long-term solutions instead of quick fixes. I love you. And I believe in you, because I wouldn't be here writing this note to you if I couldn't see your incredible potential with this. Don't give up. Don't give in. Marion G. Romney said, quote, We believe that seldom do circumstances arise in which men of rigorous faith, genuine courage, and unfaltering determination, with the love of independence burning in their hearts and pride in their accomplishments, cannot surmount the obstacles that lie in their paths. End quote. See you in a year, my good friend. I loved the words that I spoke to myself. I believe those words I wrote. I also believe that one of the adversary's greatest tools is to plant a seed or a lie about what we're not. We're not good enough, thin or beautiful, righteous enough, talented enough, Christ-like enough. When we give in and use the words in thought or speech that validate those lies— We're giving him power. My dearest friend Lana told me something she read, and I'm sorry, I have absolutely no idea where she heard it and she couldn't find it, but she said, and I paraphrase, that Satan will never call you by your name. He will call you by your sins and by your weaknesses, but only God calls you by your name. I love that so much. It resonated with me. Think of all the ordinances that we do in the church and how they all include our own personal, beautiful names. Those are such empowering words, aren't they? When we speak words of praise and gratitude and acceptance and hope and faith and truth and love, when we read scriptures and liken them to ourselves, when we speak to our Father in heaven, praying for the strength to speak positively and lovingly to ourselves, we will surely find the correlation to happiness and joy, peace and peace of mind. So how do we do that? That seems so hard. How do we change entirely or just totally up our game of speaking to ourselves in a way that propels us toward our goals and our divine destinies? How do we do that? 
How do we change the physical and emotional circumstances of exactly where we are by the words we speak? Now, for some of you, it may be as easy as daily mental affirmations like W. Clement Stone's, I feel healthy, I feel happy, I feel terrific, and off you go into a world of bliss. Others, like myself, may need to completely rewire pre-programmed beliefs or negative thoughts and self-talk. The important thing is that you come to realize how and where you need to improve, then commit to doing the work it takes to change the internal chat that is keeping you from your dreams of health, happiness, and wholeness. Aristotle said, quote, We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit, end quote. Ooh, let's make speaking powerfully and positively to and about ourselves that habit, We need to keep telling ourselves that until we believe it. You better believe that's one of the very most important things.